Hello, and welcome to the Park Baptist Church Podcast with Pastor David Blakely. Our goal is to preach the Word of God in a real and authentic way, so you are filled with the Spirit to guide you through life each and every week. To learn more about Park Baptist Church, visit parkbaptist.com. And now, Pastor David Blakely. It doesn't come as a shock to anybody for me to say that the world is full of a lot of hurt. Uh, there is a lot of pain, a lot of suffering, a lot of unhappiness. And even in our own lives, all we have to do is just um, look into our, our own lives and we see uh, struggles that, that people are having. And the thing is, is that we, the church, not necessarily Park Baptist Church, but certainly the, the body of Christ within Park Baptist Church, we are to be a place of healing, a place where God uses us to connect with a hurting world. And that's that's our job that is our calling that is our responsibility that we are to be the 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 healing balm if you will for a hurting world when the world looks around and the world is struggling and people are are hurting and and having difficulties in their life we're supposed to be the the place where they find that relief, where they they find that 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 transformational um, power, and if we're not up to the challenge, then the people around us, and in many cases, we continue to suffer. We continue to hurt because we have nothing real to offer people, and. It's so important that we understand our, our purpose, our role in, in society to make a difference. And this morning, I, I want to speak on, on how can we do that? What, what can we do to make a, a real difference and it, it obviously has to start with us personally. You know, much of the, the Christian life that, that we know from the Bible is based on the Apostle Paul. Paul wrote uh, half of the books of the New Testament. You know, and so we, much of what we understand about the Christian life we understand because of the Apostle Paul and his attitudes, his, his approach are our example. Paul even said in 1 Corinthians 11, you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. And obviously we, we can look to Christ and we want to imitate Christ, but, um, Paul was a regular guy. Paul wasn't Jesus. And we can see in the life of Paul, someone who understood the difference that, that he was able to make. And so 
I want for us this morning to, to study what Paul said in his approach to life and see if we can learn from it some of the, some of the things that, that maybe we can apply to our own lives so that we can make a, a real difference, a legitimate difference in our lives. You know, I, I think nothing is sadder, would be sadder than to get to the end of life. And as we reflect on our life, the only thing that we can say that we did was that we, we were a good husband or a good wife or a good parent and that we provided for our family. That's not good enough. That's not enough. Because our, cry, our calling to Christ is a higher calling than anything else. And if we can't make a legitimate difference in our, our world, then we're failing as, as human beings, as individuals, as people who have been called to be followers of Christ. Paul said in Galatians chapter 2, verses 20 and 21, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. <clears throat> As Paul speaks of the life which I now live in the flesh, this is where we have our contact point. We are all currently living our life in the flesh. Each and every one of us are flesh and bones. And what we need to understand is how do we live a Christian life? How do we live a godly life? How do we live a life that honors Jesus Christ and makes a difference while we are in our flesh, our, 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 our physical bodies. So first question to ask is how, how do we live a crucified life? How is a life crucified with Christ possible? We can't go back and join Christ on the cross. And again, that would be pointless because we are sinners. We, we fall short. Only Christ was a legitimate sacrifice. But we can be united with Christ in his death. And that is part of what baptism is symbolic of Romans chapter six, verses three through eight says, have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the father, we now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. 
We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we, now, uh, we know we will also live with him. Now, there's several things. Gosh, we could we could spend months just in that scripture alone. But for our, our purpose today, note a couple of things that when we were baptized with Christ, when we when a person is baptized because they have accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior, we are baptized into Christ and we are united with him in death. Through, that is a symbolic act, a symbolic gesture. We and what we are, what we are signifying is that we are crucifying. We are laying to rest our old nature, just as Christ was crucified. Our old nature is being crucified. We are dying with Christ, and. If we have been baptized into Christ, then we have been crucified with Christ. This is important to understand. And and there uh, there is there's value in being baptized. And if you have never um, been baptized because you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, this is an important step that needs to be done. Uh, sometimes it, it becomes kind of um, a secondary thing that people don't think about, but, but it matters. And so when we are baptized, what we are doing is we are, we are signifying that our old life is being laid to rest just as Christ was crucified and laid to rest. That's what being crucified with Christ means. Now, it can take on some different meaning. Um, for the Jew in Paul's day, it was death to the old legal system. It was death to the law. In Galatians 2.19, Paul says, For when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. So I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all of its requirements so that I might live for God. Some people who are legalistic... They think, well, if I just keep a bunch of rules, if I keep if I go through the motions of doing all of these things, well, then that's all that's necessary. And God will be be happy with me. And what what being crucified with Christ means for them is that they have to give up that they have to quit thinking that way that uh, that to be crucified with Christ means that they die to the law. Jesus taught that that the only way that that we could be his his followers was to be obedient to him and the teaching of the law had become so monstrous where you had to keep every little um, piece of it in order to be qualified in their mindset. And that that was that was a form of slavery in and of itself. 
as followers of Christ, what we have to understand when we are crucified with Christ is that we set aside our life. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. In Luke 9, Jesus said, of you wants to be my followers, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. For us, we are not legal, legalistic. We, we don't um, follow the, the Jewish legal system, the law and all of that. So what this means for us to be crucified with Christ is that our flesh has to be killed. It, it, we have to set aside our, our fleshly desires to, to be crucified with Christ means that we, we put to death, if you will, our, our fleshly desires. And that's what Jesus is saying. You have to give up your own way. You have to give up the, the, the carnal aspect of your life. This is a picture of baptism, once again, it, that we continually set aside our, our flesh. And, and by that, what we need to understand is that we take our life and we say, God, I am surrendering it to you. I, I no longer am going to have my agenda. I have your agenda. And part of God's agenda is for you to go to work every day. But it means that you go to work not to earn a living. You go to work because that's your mission field. That's where you go to to minister, to be the contact point so that the world is being exposed to the light of your salvation. The world is being exposed to the salt uh, that you provide, that you become the place where the world is, is being slowed in its decay because you stand for righteousness. You stand for godliness. You stand for holiness. And when the world sees the way you live and the world hears the way you speak and what you say, they become convicted of sin. They become drawn to the father or they rebel against that. But that's our job. That's our responsibility. Romans 8, 12 and 13 says, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if, by, for if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. What this means is that you are you are actively, intentionally putting to death your flesh desires, your carnal desires. And, and let me just give you quickly what that means. It means 
not just sexual sin. You know, that's where our mind usually goes to. It's, it's not just dealing with things like that, but it's dealing with your ambition instead of rising to the top, instead of trying to promote self, instead of looking at life from what is in it for me, you live your life with an attitude of what would Christ have me do? And there is a huge difference between how you approach that. Galatians 6.14, Paul writes, As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified. And the world's interest in me has also died. That's important for us to understand. We take our ambitions, we take our desires, and we put them on the cross and say, God, I give them up to you. I surrender all of this to you. And that last little piece, it says, and the world's interest in me has also died. If you no longer are, are ambitious, if you are no longer pursuing what the world says matters, the world's going to say, eh, we don't care about you. They're going to go off and leave you. And that's okay. Now, Galatians 4 Verses three and then verses nine says that is how it was with us. We were like children ruled by the powers of this world. But now, you know, God and better still, God knows you. How can you turn back and become the slaves of those weak and pitiful powers? You see, everybody lives their life being dictated by the world. The world says jump and we say how high. And the way you see that is the fact that people are slaves to fashion. The fact that people get so wrapped up in making sure that they're keeping up with the Joneses. All of that kind of stuff that, that we just take for granted as a, the way life is. When we become crucified with Christ, we begin to look at that and say, that doesn't matter anymore. I don't have to do that. I don't have to have the latest car. I don't have to have the latest fashions. I don't have to do all of the stuff that, it, that the world says I have to do in order to be quote unquote successful. I just have to be obedient to God. That's what it looks like to be crucified with Christ in our flesh and crucified to the world. Any external force, whether it's the law for a Jewish person or whether it's the world, the world system for, for people like us, or even an internal drive, um, all of those have to be controlled and surrendered to the authority of Christ. So the next part of that verse, uh, it talks about a life in which Christ lives in me. That's verse 20, the second part. How does Christ live in me? What, what does that look like? 
we're taught to make sure that Christ abides. That's the, the word that, that, that is used. In John 14, it says, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And, those, and because they love me, my father will love them and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but the other disciple with that name said to him, Lord, why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not to the world at large? And Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. My father will love them and they will come and we will come and make our home in each of them. Wouldn't that be wonderful? To live your life knowing that Christ is present in your life and that you, you know that he's there, that every day you, you are aware of his presence in your life. Well, this is how it's done by being obedient. Now, I was just talking about the fact that we shouldn't be slaves to the law. And then here Jesus is saying, you have to obey my commandments. Isn't that the same thing? No, it's not. This is the way we understand it. In my relationship with my wife, there are things that I don't do and things that I do, not because I have to, but because I love my wife. And so when we think about the law, the, the law says you have to do this. And there's no love there. There's no give and take. It's just obey this, period. But when it comes to Christ, we should be motivated for out of love. We want to obey Christ because we love Christ, because he saved us, because he was willing to die on a cross for our sins. And so because of that, I want to be obedient to who Christ is and what Christ has asked me to do. I'm not doing it because I have to. I'm doing it because I want to. That's the difference between being obedient to Christ and being a slave to the law. So to have the presence of God in your life, you live a life of obedience, born of love to, to God. First John, John 3.24 says, Those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship with him and he with them. Because the spirit he gave us lives in us. So as we are obedient to Christ, we are assured that Christ is living within us, that, that his spirit is present. Now, what's the benefit of that? What, what, why should we be motivated? Well, first of all, we experience the love of God and the love of Jesus. John 14, 21, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my father will love them and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. 
Joy is another benefit of having Christ in your life and being an obedient follower of Christ. John 15, 11, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. There's also peace in life. Uh, again, remember that we are the contact point for the world. And what are the things that the world is looking for? The world is looking for peace. The world is looking for joy. The world is looking for contentedness. The world is looking for a, a sense of tranquility. And when we surrender our lives to Christ, when we live a life that is crucified with Christ and we are abiding in God, then the benefits, the, the outcome is peace and joy. John 16, 33, I have told you all of this so that in peace, here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. You see, the very things the world is looking for, God gives us naturally when we abide in him, when we live a life of pursuing Christ, when we crucify our will, crucify our worldly ways. When we do that and we live a life submitted to Christ, we will have the very attributes that the world is searching for, that the world wants to have. Now, these are just a few of the many blessings that, that come to a person who is abiding in Christ. But I hope it's just enough to kind of whet your appetite and say, yes, that, that's what I want. Verse 20 again says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself. A life lived by faith in Christ. What does that look like? What, what is living by faith in Christ? Where faith means trust. Living by faith in Christ means that we are constantly trusting in Jesus for a whole host of things. First of all, for the forgiveness of sins. I don't know about you, but I'm a sinner. I am a really wretched sinner. And there's not a day goes by that I don't sin that I don't mess up, that I don't create havoc from a spiritual standpoint. Now, that may come as a shock, but I hope not. If you've known me very long, you're not shocked at all. But, but the reality is, is that we are sinners. And so we need to understand that when we abide in Christ, we are constantly being forgiven of our sin. First John one, again, seven and nine. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin, all sin. That means past sin, present sin and future sin. 
But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. This is also to live by faith in Christ means that we trust Jesus to be our advocate. Now, an advocate is that's not a word we use a, a whole lot that doesn't come up in everyday language, but he's the one who goes to bat for us with God. First John two, one, my dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. We also, by, by living a faith in Christ, we are trusting that Jesus is our perfect sacrifice to God. First John 2, 2, he himself, speaking of Jesus, is the sacrifice that atones for our sins and not only our sins, but the sins of the world. Also, when we are living a faith, a life of faith in Christ, we are trusting that his words will provide the foundation of our life. You know, Jesus doesn't just save us and say, OK, you all go on. He has given us his word, the Bible. And so we are to live by the teaching of the Bible Matthew 7 says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on a rock. Though the rain come and the torrent and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. If you want your life to be solid, if you want your life to hold up, then follow the teaching of Jesus and obey the teaching of Jesus. We also can ha have the assurance when we live a life of faith in Christ, we have the assurance that he will never leave us. Matthew 28, 20, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Trusting in Jesus, that is the key to living the Christian life. That means you don't trust yourself. You don't trust your own wisdom. You don't trust your own ability. You don't trust what the world has to say. You don't trust following a bunch of religious rules. You don't trust any of that. You trust Jesus. Why should we trust Jesus? Because he loves us, because he gave himself for us. And his love should compel us to live a life of obedience. Now, one last thing, verse 21. It says, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. We must diligently Keep Jesus's commandments again, not out of obligation, but out of love, out of understanding of what Jesus has done for us. Again, don't be legalistic about this. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. But how you prove yourself and 
when you live a life of love for Jesus and you live a life of obedience to Jesus, that's kind of the proof that you are truly his, his child, his follower. First John two, three says we can be sure that we know him if we obey his his, his commandments. So we can't ignore being an obedient follower. You know, someone can't say, well, yeah, I, I'm a follower of Christ, but there's no evidence by the way they live. They're, you know, they're, they're very worldly. They're very um, carnal in the way they behave. And they say, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus. Well, no, you know, if, if you're truly a follower of Jesus, your life should reflect that. But... Having said that, we can't ignore God's grace. And this grace doesn't give us a carte blanche to go do what we want, because again, we should be motivated out of love to be obedient to Christ, but we're gonna mess up. And when we mess up, we have the gift of God's grace. Everything boils down to God's grace. Titus 3 verses 4 and 5 says, When God our Savior revealed His kindness and love, He saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. That word could also be grace. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. After everything is said and done, I am an unworthy servant. I am not a perfect person. You are not perfect people either. But the understanding is that we do the best we know how to do. But then we understand that grace makes up the difference. If, if it wasn't for the grace of God, our faith would be useless. Our repentance wouldn't matter. Our baptism wouldn't matter. Our salvation wouldn't be possible. It's God's grace that makes up the difference. So from beginning to end, we look to the word of God and to God's grace for our salvation. We must trust in God's mercy and and understand that it, it comes to us through Jesus. Everything about our salvation is hinged off of what Jesus Christ did on the cross and grace. 100%. It has nothing to do with me or you. It, none of us deserve it. It's given to us freely because God is good. And as a result, when we understand that, we should respond with a life of devotion and a life of commitment. We should understand, once we understand it, we live a life that is crucified to Christ. My question for you this morning is to, to ask yourself, are you crucifying your life for Christ? Are you willing to set aside your agenda, your, your wants, your will, and give them to Christ and say, I give this all up to you?
I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Make that your objective in life. Make that your goal. Make that your your desire above everything else. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we so desperately need you. And we need to be making a difference in this world. God, I know that you are grieved by just the, the hurt and the pain that, that is all around us. And you need for your people to stand up and be, be the church, to be your body. Please help us, Father, as individuals to be willing to lay down our lives, to be crucified with you so that we may live lives that are truly victorious God, please help us to take the step of faith. In Jesus' name, amen.